If you're hearing this, it means that you're subscribed to the public podcast feed and only getting part of the conversation. If you'd like to listen to the full episode and gain exclusive access to the first 100-episode archive, consider becoming part of the pack over at patreon.com forward slash howl in the wilderness. Welcome to the Howl in the Wilderness podcast. I'm your host, Brian James. Howl in the Wilderness features deep and insightful conversations with renegade artists, philosophers, psychologists, and spiritual teachers who are working on the edge of dominant culture to recover and revive soul in people and the planet. On this episode, I speak with Tim Rutili. Tim is an American musician, filmmaker, and visual artist. He's best known as the founder of the alternative rock bands Red Red Meat and Caliphone, as well as a diverse range of musical collaborations as a multi-instrumentalist and composer of scores for film and television. I've been an admirer of Tim's work since Caliphone's 2006 release, Roots and Crowns, but I'd lost track of them in recent years. So I was pleasantly surprised when the Algorithmic Gods alerted me to a new release from them last year. And I consider that album, Villagers, one of the musical highlights of 2023 and a return to form for Caliphone, who continue to explore the intersections of American roots music, experimental electronics, and improvisation. The features that have been central to Caliphone's music since the beginning have always been Tim's surreal and imagistic lyrics and masterful ability to create a captivating mood through an inventive and unconventional use of sound and texture. In our conversation, we have an open and honest discussion about the challenges of sustaining a creative life without sacrificing your artistic integrity, the slippery nature of memory and dreams, and the importance of meditative and somatic practice to exercise the demons and maintain a connection to the creative life force. If you'd like to enjoy early release of full ad-free episodes and access the archive of the first 100 episodes of the podcast, you should consider becoming part of the pack over at patreon.com forward slash howl in the wilderness. It's the best and most direct way to support the substantial amount of work involved in creating this podcast, and it allows me to maintain my artistic integrity by not relying on advertising. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy. Caliphone. Man, it's really nice to meet you. It's good to meet you. I've been listening to your music for a long time. I think the first time I saw you was probably on the Roots and Crowns tour in Toronto at the uh, Horseshoe Tavern back in like 2006, 2007. Okay. That was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of the first shows my wife and I went to together, I think. And you live in Toronto? Uh, no, we're out on the West Coast now on Vancouver Island. Okay. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, you're from Chicago, right? I'm from Chicago, yeah. And are you still in Illinois? Or I think maybe no, you're in California. I'm in California now in the, in the San Bernardino Mountains. So way up, <laughs> way up there. Oh, yeah? How long have you been out there? Uh, we just... Bought this place in July. You moved in. Mm -hmm. How are you liking it? Uh, yeah, it's different. <laughs> Just been city, been city people for a long time. So we were in LA for a while, 
and uh yeah it's beautiful quiet weird different yeah we're in a small town now too after living in cities for a long time and um yeah quiet sometimes weird <laughs> kind of a strange culture sometimes yeah we have you a find... neighbor that mm -hmm. i we have to drive past him to get home and uh he's got like a flat earth flag flying <laughs> what does that look like it says flat earth research on it and it's got like a circle on it but i guess it's a flat circle it's a I flat disc it's a flat disc but it, it yeah i don't know <laughs> haven't really met him yet looking forward to meeting him yeah well, that's some americana there yeah so i'm out there i think yeah got some horses out there yeah but <laughs> earth not round for him <laughs> um how do you find it uh being in the country as a creative person like i was thinking about you know myself mm -hmm. sometimes it's nice to be immersed in a, a city culture where there's a lot of creativity going on but sometimes it feels like a lot of noise and I'm always trying to strike this balance of enough solitude to get into my own stuff and also staying connected to a kind of a creative culture, a creative energy. How are you finding it? Um, I'm getting good stuff done. Um, it's sort of slower and there's more like, uh, there's less distractions uh, and less sort of obstacles to uh the solitude that you need to work on stuff is uh it's good and then it's like it's somehow making things go slower because the time is not concentrated it's like i can work on some stuff and then go upstairs and hang out and you know i'm so i'm still getting accustomed to it Mm -hmm. I think all my life I had like uh, there was something else pulling and now there's nothing else pulling and I'm I'm not finding it. I think it'll be better once I get more used to this. Mm. Yeah, I think you got to like establish your own rhythms and be less reliant on whatever's going on around you. Yeah, and I don't think I've done that yet. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. And people. Yeah, I like people. I like, I like being around people. I like working with people. And this has been more like, like I've, since I've been here, I've, I've worked on a film score and then now another one that I'm working on now. So I've been doing as much as I can here on my own and then going into LA once a week or twice a week and working with um, people there. Hmm. So I'm still, you know, it's not bad to go there. It's just a drive. Hmm. This uh, latest album, Villagers, uh, it is if it, it feels like it's been a really long time since an album has really drawn me into its world, the way this album has, and uh, the way your music really has always done. Um, it feels like a kind of a throwback in a way. Like it, uh, I've been feeling a lot of nostalgia these days for for the past, and I wonder how much uh, nostalgia has played in the creation of the music for you lately if at all eh, not much nostalgia but there is a lot of like uh on that record there's a lot of memories in the songs but i don't know if it's like nostalgically thinking fond of them but more like uh did that happen or did i dream that or uh the exaggerations that we create um, when there's time between an event and thinking of an event um, that goes into those songs a lot. Mm. Yeah. That theme of memory, I think uh, has always played a part in your music, at least the way I perceive it. Um, also the dreamlike quality of your music and lyrics. Um, there's uh I mean, you even had an album that was based, I think, on a recurrent dream, uh, uh -huh. King Heron Blues, right? Yeah. 
So has, have dreams always played a part in your creative process? Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's like uh, just a nagging <laughs> feeling of <laughs> trying to remember, of trying to remember a dream or wanting to go back to a place. Like sometimes dreams feel like uh, places that you can go and visit, but I haven't figured out a way to control. <laughs> I really want to go back there. And I haven't figured out a way to go back there. It just kind of um, pulls you back whenever it feels like pulling you back. Yeah. I used to be able to do that when I was a kid. Like if I had a dream, like a flying dream, for instance, I used to really love those. Um, Before I went to sleep, I could think about uh, that experience or that place. And I would often find myself slipping into another dream, like it kind of picked up where it left off. But that ability or maybe even i don't know the inclination to do that has left me as i've aged yeah i'm finding the same mm-hmm. <laughs> and i really try i really want to go back to mm-hmm. some of those places but uh yeah it seems to only happen when you're not trying for me at least now yeah yeah i think the same for me too but that in itself is a kind of nostalgia but um not a nostalgia for um an experience in this kind of mundane world but and a nostalgia for the dream which is interesting yeah, for sure hmm. yeah that's thinking uh, a lot of it's i mean a lot in the music a lot of those dreams are uh, absurd and horrifying and mm-hmm. some of them are just like wow that's cool that's a nice place yeah yeah um like Memories, in a way, are a kind of dream, too. Like you said, like when we remember back, we uh, we can we can get the details wrong or different or exaggerate things. So memory also, I think, occupies the same space as dreams. For sure. And what we, you know, the stories that we tell ourselves so that we can survive um, or hold on to a persona or whatever, those affect memories um in ways that make them uh false in a way you know the embellished the embellished story you know every time you tell it it's different and sometimes with memories like every time you remember back there's some other detail that gets like uh exaggerated in a way that gets it farther away from what actually happened Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of your lyrics uh, speaks to that, like wearing, um, I, I can't recall it exactly, but there's something about wearing a memory of me on your face like a mask or wearing a memory of me like an anvil on your back. Yeah, 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 that one's um, stories. stories. You know, we yeah. all have these stories that we carry around. And sometimes, usually, probably most of the time, we don't really need them. They're just, um, they're just a way for, uh, we might think that we need them to, uh, um, make sure that our identity is intact when that might be holding us back in some way. But that, that idea is all over that song. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's also a song, um, Skunkish. That's the one. Yeah. Okay. It's in that song. Yeah. That song as well deals with, uh, seance and uh and spirits and, and ghosts where where did that song come from um you know i was thinking about uh group dynamic and characters and then uh i was reading something about uh after the civil war there was sort of an explosion in uh psychics sort of preying on people that lost loved ones in the war. And uh, I just imagined a group of uh, scammers. <laughs> I don't think the, I don't think the ghosts are real in that one. I think that's like the people dealing with each other and, uh, and it's a sideline. What they're doing is a sideline. 
you know, so it's hard to explain, but um, they probably don't believe that what they're doing is real, but what they're doing really is like uh, nurturing some ghosts that you need to let go of. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 hard to explain songs. <laughs> well, especially yours, it's like trying to explain a dream. Yeah, and sometimes making the songs and putting the words together is like uh, letting it happen and getting out of the way. And maybe that explains our popularity because <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's so simple or cut and dry, but it's it it works for me. Like everything means something to me. And a lot of making the songs is dealing with my own uh, psychology and my own brain. Hmm. Like trying to sort things out through the creative process? All the way, yeah. Mm-hmm. Does it ever happen where uh, one of these songs is kind of just pulling at you to to realize it in some form, and uh, when it feels done, you feel like you have an understanding of that uh, the situation or the the memory that you're describing or going into? Sometimes uh, finishing a song is like uh, you can put that thing away, you know. So it's not necessarily like an understanding but it might be a physical learning of something and it might be uh now I can let go of it and move on. And then sometimes like performing an old song, it turns into something else. You know, all those songs that will still play at a show seem like living things and they have this elastic qualities in the way they can be played. And also in the meaning that they have, uh, for me when I'm singing, you know, I I think that might be a good thing about having uh, songs that are more where the lyrics are more abstract is it could go, it could be, it could be what you need it to be, you know, and it can tell you what it wants to tell you when it wants to tell you. Save Child of the slaughter, sung it to yourself. Sound swimming in the silence, daughter of the violence, sung into the void. Roxy music set dying in the dashboard song. Clean redemption, your Attention, sleeping, someone else's car. Mm. Yeah, you know, I would think of that as uh, like a real quality of poetry that uh, every time you visit it, uh, you'll get something different from it or it'll speak to you in a different way or, you know, or like a fairy tale even, you know, revisiting fairy tales, like different characters might stick out to me uh, at different times in my life as I read it. And that might be because you're exploring that aspect of yourself, you know, like you might be, you might be the bank robber. You might be the ogre depending on the time of life and what you're going through you might be the victim you can be any you can be anything in any of those stories and project yourself anywhere mm-hmm. songs actually they sound kind of like the way you speak of them uh you know playing these old songs and finding new life in them and uh they're kind of like ghosts in a way Maybe. And like, once you finish a song, you're done with it. Like those people in the spiritist movement, like they just have to have that last conversation with the person before they can let go. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe to them, uh, suspending disbelief, it might be good to be conned (laughs) a little bit. 
you know, like ghosts are something that we might create from the inside instead of uh, coming an element coming from the outside. Hmm. I wonder now that you're out in the wilderness, if you're going to have maybe more experiences of ghosts. Um, it's something I find when I'm out here uh, that I, I see things in the woods and I have more experience of um, presences than I do in the city. I, the city just seems too full for me to, for anything like that to kind of glimpse through. Yeah, I'm getting that feeling. Um, but I don't know. It's like bears. And uh, it's the expectation of a ghost when really it's just like my my wife is walking without her shoes on. I can't hear her coming. You know, <laughs> like, like, like there's a lot of there's a lot of jump starts out here. Um, but I don't know. It it's 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 interesting because uh, we're creating all this stuff. Like we're making. Like I don't know. There's a, there's a factors that come from the outside of us, but a lot of this like ghosty shit comes from inside us, and it is our projections. You know, even how we like things that we hate or people that we love or hate, a lot of it is projections and we have to get past them to like get to some kind of like uh, some kind of truth. Mm -hmm. Or yeah, even if it's just like a subtle reality. abstract, like learning of something that you can't even explain. You know, music is a lot like uh, it's stuff that you can't explain. Like mm -hmm. why it makes you feel a certain way or why something sounds amazing and feels like home or why something just sounds wrong. Like I can't, I don't know how to explain that or say why you have to like, uh, trying to just, uh, the more I'm up in my own head, the less I get done and the less I enjoy life. I feel like. Right. Like you get stuck in analysis and there's that remove to to analyze, you got to be kind of separate from the thing you're analyzing, right? So you're not in it. Yeah. And also trying to recreate something is not so good. Trying to like make something new out of these old elements in the moment or out of this old structure of a song in the moment is probably a better way to think about it and a better way to like uh, be in it and approach it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember like one of the first things I asked my, uh, guitar teacher when I was like 14 or something like that, uh, I asked him like, well, I, I brought in a melody that came to me in a dream. You know, I was, had this dream where I was up on a cloud. My brother was on another cloud and I was playing this melody on a guitar and it sounded like a herald of angels. It sounded like super majestic. <laughs> and I, I could recollect the melody and I, I learned it on guitar and I brought it to my guitar teacher and I wanted it to sound as majestic as it did in the dream. So he helped me figure out some chords that would go behind it that would give it this kind of feeling. Uh -huh. And I remember asking him like, how does this make me feel the way it does? Like, how does, why does music make us feel these things? You know, I was trying to understand like the mechanism behind the affect. Uh, and it, you know, 40 years later, I, I still haven't come any close to understanding it. You know, it's not yeah. a matter of like minor chords are sad, major chords are happy. You know, it's not that simple. Yeah, there's something in there that's weird. And also there's things where you like, I just wrote something and I think it's the greatest thing in the whole world that's ever been created. And it makes me feel like I just touched God's balls. And then you go, oh, no, I just that's the riff for uh, Don't Fear the Reaper. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just I don't know. So you're always just kind of chasing a thing. But it's really hard to pinpoint. It might be easier for some people to pinpoint it and 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 hit on something that uh, other people can feel too. But I, I don't understand how to do that. Hmm. Yeah. Lately I've been, um, I've been going on this journey of trying to get inside the mind of George Harrison. Cause um, when I listened to the lead lines that George Harrison came up with, um, 
they have such a unique sound and feeling to me. And I, I want to understand, like, how does he choose those notes? Because they're not notes that I would necessarily choose, but to me, they sound like so perfect in kind of uh, representing his voice in a way and, and bringing forth a kind of feeling in me. So I've been going through all this um, musicology about Beatles songs and trying, you know, plotting out, here are the chords, here are the notes he was playing, mm-hmm. trying to like find like a kind of secret magical alchemical formula for the George Harrison flavor or, or feeling. Um, and it's kind of fascinating, but I don't know if I'm really getting anywhere with it other than just immersing myself in, you know, George Harrison's kind of musical mind. I don't know. I think he was really, really angry. I think with even F, I, that's probably why what drew into all that spiritual stuff and, and uh, like chasing uh, inner peace so hard. I think he was fucking pissed off. And uh, and he was in a band where he was like, uh, I don't know. I'm just thinking about that Beatles documentary, Get Back. Did you watch that? Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, man, that guy's in a tough spot. Yeah. Well, I was re-watching the Martin Scorsese documentary about George. Oh, that's really good, too. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it's like the third time going through it. And uh, they really um, point out that dynamic that, um, you know, here are these kind of polar opposites, John and Paul. And then George is kind of in the middle and trying to find his own voice in that, trying to understand his uh, kind of position in that uh, in that relational triangle uh and yeah people would say there's two sides to george he's really angry and he's also like the sweetest most spiritual guy but i don't know if he ever got to a place of kind of integration of those um opposites yeah who knows Mm. he's great though he did amazing stuff it's probably my probably my favorite Mm. of of the beatles you have to have a favorite beetle yeah i'm a george guy too obviously (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's like the um, kind of like a way to gauge your psychological type it's like what beetle do you most uh relate to you gotta be careful of ringo people <laughs> seem like wild cards <laughs> you can't take them seriously you can't no. trust them <laughs> but they're great but they're great well with all that tension in that in that kind of triangle that's up front john john paul and george um you need that kind of trickster element in the mix i think to keep things light and to break up the kind of the tension of all that and there was also something in ringo stars playing where he was like um selfless he would he just played the songs and a lot of musicians don't just they can't uh just play the songs like that and all those guys wrote incredible parts mm-hmm. like oh, all of them <laughs> I don't know. It, it was really interesting watching that get back thing and seeing how they put together stuff and seeing that Ringo could just sit there and not say anything while these guys are like figuring it out and then play a perfect thing. Yeah. And play it the same way again and again and again. I don't know. Pretty amazing. That's like once, <laughs> once in a million years, that kind of thing comes along with those, that combination of people. Dude, my my wife and I we talk about it all the time. How just the kind of uh, the magic of that group, and like you know, I'm astounded at how how they all came together. Like you said, each bringing like a real essential element to the whole, and then um, what they created together. I just I'm like after the Beatles, forget it. There's totally it's scary. Like it why is. why bother? <laughs> but it's. Uh, it's also like um, that that time period, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it was like there was still room at that time for innovation in rock music, you know. And then after the Beatles and you know maybe some other folks, uh, less room for innovation. Everything becomes kind of referential in a way, and it's unavoidable. Like you can't help it. Like you said, you you think you're coming up with something new and great, and it's don't fear the reaper. <laughs> it's always don't fear the reaper. Always smoke on the water. Don't fear the reaper. 
or like uh, more than a feeling, you know, more that than a feeling <laughs> pops up. <laughs> there was a song yourself. Yeah. that was like, uh, um, it, oh God, it was one of the villager songs. And it was one of the last ones. And I worked and worked and worked and worked. And I, and I was like, this is, don't say it's over by crowded house. You know, it was like, it was totally, I worked on it for like a week and I dug in and I was like, I got to get this one. And it was like, uh, don't dream it's over. Hey, hey now. That's, hey and I was now. Like, Fuck. But it There's had some a world between words. Us. And it, but it was like, oh God. Yeah. But I was like, just dig. It was, it was like I was waking up with it and going to sleep with it. And it was something that was already a thing. You know, in the past uh, few years, I've been waking up every day with a different song in my head. It's the strangest thing. It's kind. Of, it's kind of new, but it's good that it's day. a different song and it's not the same <laughs> horrible song. Does that ever happen to you? Though you wake up and there's just a song presenting itself to you that day. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll I'll listen to the song kind of first thing in the morning because I'm feeling like okay, my psyche is telling me that there's something in the song I need to hear today or, or a feeling I need to feel. So I just kind of go with it, like with the dream, you know, take them as they come and, and go along with it. You know, sometimes that happens and sometimes it feels like a plague, you know, it's an, it's an annoying, it's an annoying song. And uh, sometimes you got to listen to it to get it out of your head so that you can just move on with your life. Yeah. Like give the, the devil it's due yeah yeah there's on the new album uh, there's kind of a new flavor that i feel is in there of uh it reminds me of the stuff that i heard on am radio when i was a little kid driving around with my parents the kind of uh mellow rock like there's a lot of uh background vocals on the new album that evoke that for me and some of the melodies um, but there's still like the caliphone kind of uh, cacophony going on of like um, broken down instruments and weird little glitches and oscillations and things happening. But the, at the core, they seem like more kind of, uh, I don't know, AM radio pop songs in a way. It's Yeah, that's totally there. Forget your worries. I was listening to a lot of like great music from back then and then sort of not so great music. And it kind of found its way into the songs like uh, and it does. I guess it's nostalgia. I guess it is nostalgia because I was thinking about like um, like falling asleep in my dad's car on the way home from somewhere. Mm. Man, that and how feel. music sounded music on the radio sounded in that car. And uh, and then it's like, oh, that's like a Carpenter song or Paul Williams. But then it was like Dion Warwick, uh, Burt Bacharach songs, too. And I started listening to some of that stuff. And I was like, like, there was some of that Dion Warwick stuff where I was just like, I was listening in my car and then just I would have to pull over and just like cry because it was just hitting me so hard. So a lot of that stuff and uh, the structure and the melody and it 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 got it found its way in even like like paul williams and the muppets like to me like that found its way in there too uh, um, trying to think of what song he did with the muppets because john denver did a duet with kermit i remember that paul williams wrote rainbow connection and uh he wrote a bunch of carpenter songs and i think he was on cocaine and hanging out with the Muppets a lot. That's how I remember it. But then memory can be faulty. So yeah. 
So it might not be like the YouTube evidence of like, oh, that's what it is. It was more like, that's how I remember it. And that's, that's how things found their way into those songs as far as Muppets and Paul Williams goes. And cocaine too. And cocaine, a lot of cocaine. Yeah. So we were talking about Paul Williams, the diminutive songwriter who was in uh, Phantom of uh, Paradise, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So it wasn't um, necessarily conscious that I'm gonna I'm gonna make an album and I'm gonna like bring in some of these these sounds and influences. It was uh, like the memories drew you back to that time, and then they that sounds just found their way into the songs. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, there's sometimes like, I'm going to try to do a song like that. And then I can't, you know, like, like trying to imitate something that's that uh, cohesive. Doesn't, I, I just don't have the chops for it. So I just was trying to make sure like a problem that I have with a lot of older work that I've done is I I'm like uh it's I didn't finish that song you know <laughs> like this one I really tried to dig in and complete every song and and I wrote songs before I brought people into the process hmm. so I wrote songs and demoed them and then brought in people and then bringing in people they brought in things that I never even thought of and brought those songs out even more. So it was kind of a great experience making that record. But it was also like, um, I had to not be precious about anything, you know? There's some great uh, horn parts on the, the album too. How did you work those out? Do you arrange those yourself or do you have someone else come in and do that? Um, some of them, this guy that I met, oh God, but he's a sax player. His name is Will Curry. And he came in for one day and did the majority of the horns on the record. And uh, and I had done some like guide tracks with fake, like keyboard fake horns. Okay. But he made them 3d you know my ideas were really simple and he fleshed them out a lot and then uh cory in portland uh we were there doing stuff and he did he did some trumpet and sort of finished the horn parts hmm. and he did way too much he did stuff on his own i wasn't there when he did those horn parts um and I think I asked him to do what, what was there so we can replace a fake horn with a real one. But he went nuts and again, like fleshed it out in ways that I didn't, that I couldn't have come up with. Cool. So uh, did you like, how long did it take you to record the album? Probably a little over a year, but it was like, you know, write songs, demo them, uh, do some days with the band in the studio, then take those tracks and bring them home and work on them and then do nothing for a month and then write some more. You know, it was like a process. Mm -hmm. And you kind of carried the songs around uh, to different places and had different people play on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just carried around the hard drive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned like about like making a more concerted effort effort to finish songs. Uh, that's one thing I've noticed about your music is that often, like, there's a quali quality of brokenness throughout Califone's music. Like sometimes it's the instruments that sound busted, um, and then sometimes like the songs themselves seem to break down at the end. Like there could be a kind of uh, a more tight pop song, but then at the end, all this kind of chaotic stuff just starts happening and it, it trails off and it gives me the sense that yeah the, the song isn't done but not like in it's not done in a songwriting way but it's like never done like the song is still going and uh it's just 
like I'm leaving it or it's leaving me. It just kind of trails off and I could go back to it and I'm, it's like, oh, I'm back there in that old, in that old like dusty pawn shop that the song brings me to or something. Yeah. Sometimes it's just, um, it's just what, what feels right to make it seem like a living thing. So like taking a written song and then on the end, letting everybody go and improvise and see what happens sometimes is the right thing to do. Um, there's whole records that like that Heron King record went in with maybe two written songs. And then that record is like uh, improvised and then built in the studio, you know, like sections of, uh, of playing and improvising are like uh, sliced and diced and chopped and looped and then built into, and then songs came out of that. So there was like a hurry up <laughs> element to that record where like, what do you got? Got to put some vocals on this. Uh, and then you go in the other room and you scribble something down and you go. Mm -hmm. um, with the Villagers, it was, everything was pretty much written. Um, there was improvisation that happened with the band. Um, but the songs were done. The words were pretty much done. The melodies were there. The changes were there. But there were open sections to like um, really let anything happen. I don't know if it's uh, my experience of the album and my kind of excitement uh, overhearing it, but like it feels like a kind of rebirth in a way. Like I feel like there's a, a return to form in some sense, but also a moving forward with Caliphone. Um, do you have this feeling like it, it's time for a, a new chapter for the group? Because there's been periods where you've been uh, kind of doing other things and Caliphone has been, I don't know, on the back burner or put away for a time. But it feels like it's a real statement with this latest album. Like it's like Caliphone's back and thank God because they bring something that I'm really missing. Like the organicity, the naturalness, all of that. That's great. That's that's good. Um Thanks for saying that. Yeah, it's it's just um, it felt like the right thing to do <laughs> at the time. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen next. You know, I don't I don't know. Like, I have some ideas. And there were, and I have some songs and and hopefully. I don't want to have to do this. Like, I don't want to have to force when I force things to happen. It's fucking horrible. And everything ends up in the garbage can. So I'd like this to, um, if it's the right thing to do more, then it'll happen. Mm -hmm. But that felt like the right thing to do at the right time is make the villagers record. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about, um, I guess it's the creative process, but like specifically with songs, like uh, I've written, you know, maybe a handful of songs over my lifetime. Uh, I'm not kind of, I don't think of myself as a songwriter, but every once in a while, it's like something shows up on my doorstep and it's there in a kind of um, intangible form. And then I got to work. I just feel compelled to like, kind of bring this thing to life in a way and it won't leave me alone until I'm done. Uh, how is it for you with songs? Like, is it something uh, that you feel impelled to do? Because uh, it doesn't sound like there's a plan, like, okay, I got to write 10 songs and okay, now here's my schedule. I'm going to wake up every day and, and write. But it sounds like it's something else, like it's coming from somewhere else. Um, Sometimes there's like, like uh, with with that villagers record, I had a couple of ideas that I thought were good, that I just that I just came up with from just playing around, like playing guitar or playing with pedals or or making a sound. Um, so there were a couple of good ideas that I thought were good. Then I sort of forced myself and wrote a bunch of terrible songs 
So I threw some of these in the garbage can, and then some of them I mined and made better songs out of. But it was like um, I had to put myself in a position to receive some good some good songs by like um, forcing myself to write some bad ones. Um, so there was like that practice of like uh, every day do something that was happening and that's good. Um, but I think you have to be ready to go like uh, just because I did this doesn't mean it's good. You know, mm. um, just because I did this doesn't mean anybody else has to hear it or anybody else should hear it. Like, I don't know if anybody's really asking for more California music and it doesn't even matter at the end of the day. It's just like, uh, is this the right thing to do now? Um, but yeah, like I have, like since this summer, like these film jobs are like, uh, I have to do stuff. I have to do something like, and it's not, and it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with how I feel. It has only to do with how do we bring this story out? How do we <laughs> underscore this scene? How do we make this more clear? Um, and it's easy to find, it has been easy to find the right thing to do. And also that's working with, you're making somebody else, you're working on somebody else's project. You're working on somebody else's movie. So you have to make them happy. You have to take direction. Like all that stuff is really, I prefer it. There's not a lot of like real pain involved <laughs> and there's yeah. not a lot of like soul searching involved or getting too deep about anything. In fact, it's almost like don't get deep at all. Just like do what you need to do to serve this story. And with making California music, it's very, very personal. Sometimes it's a plague and it sucks to have to do. Because uh, getting something right, I take it personally. You know, when it's not going well, mm. it hurts my feelings. And uh, working on the film stuff, when someone goes, that's not right, you go, okay, well, how, let's try another idea. Mm. It, doesn't, it doesn't ever hurt my feelings, really. Mm -hmm. So mm. I think, um, like, finishing this job that i'm on now i'm probably going to need to do something that's mine so i'll probably revisit some ideas that are already down and i've been listening to um like terrible disco music and that is making me want to make some pretty bad disco music california california disco yeah uh, yeah. So there's something about like the, the film scoring work, like it's on a commission. Um, it sounds like that emotional distance from the finished product or the story is freeing in a way where you can just then respond to the images and the story that's unfolding mm -hmm. as a musician, like just open yourself and how do I want to respond to this? What's the right tone or say, hey, what does this need? Like, what does this need? Does it need anything? What does it need? What do they want? Um, and it's, it's like, I hope it, I hope to not lose it. And I hope I'm not like, uh, this is not going to cause bad luck, but it's like, um, it does feel like working at the top of my creativity to do that work. Um, and still using all your instincts and still still doing everything that you can do and working at like a like a, a high level of creativity like uh like ideas flow unlike the words that i'm saying like ideas flow um with the band and with calphone it's it's harder sometimes and it does like it's just yeah it's more personal. It's a lot more like uh, sort of searching inside 
it comes from the inside. It doesn't come from the outside. I was a camera. I was a preacher. Comedy is the blood in your mouth. Not a preacher, no. You can listen to the remaining half hour of our conversation by joining the Howl in the Wilderness Patreon, where you get early access to full episodes and exclusive access to the first 100 episodes of the podcast. Tiers start at just $5 a month. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash Howl in the Wilderness. The absence of faith is a chemical affliction. And I'm not your slave anymore Sound again, sound Lie to If you enjoyed this preview and want to hear the full episode and gain exclusive access to the first 100 episode archive, head on over to patreon.com forward slash howl in the wilderness and join the pack. Thanks for listening.